This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. A guest speaker is featured on this message. Well, good morning. Thank everybody for being here. Uh, This is the first time I've been in church all year. Those jokes work for like the first week, so... Uh, but no, many people love this time of year. For some of you, you're looking forward to uh, trying to accomplish maybe a goal that you accomplished or maybe just quite uh, almost got last year. And so this time of the year for a lot of people is an exciting time of the year. It's a fresh start. Um, it's a time where uh, you can look forward to a whole year and plan. But there's some here like myself who are not huge fans of this time of year. Some of us really like food. The idea of a diet is not very high on our list. Some of us hate exercise or budgets or planning in general. I'm not a huge fan of it because I work in a sales job where I'm paid 100% commission. And uh, this is the time when our sales, year-to-date sales, reset. So uh, kids in the room, 100% of zero is just a big zero. But whatever boat you're in, we're going to look at a passage today that I believe Uh, really helps us as we're looking forward to the new year. Um, We're going to look at Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. In your pew Bible, it's page 552. Romans 13, 11 through 14. Reading from the ESV translation. Besides this, you know the time. That the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and sensuality. Not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning that we can be here, that we can hear your word. Um, And God, I just pray that you would use me, Lord, feeble, frail, sinful man uh, that I am. There's so many here uh, who would give uh, a better message if they got up and preached Um, And God, I just pray that you would use me, that you would speak through me, that all that we hear and remember today would be your words, that we would be changed and shaped and molded by your word for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, just to kind of help structure what we're going to look at today, I know we've got kids in the room, some of you are like, what is this passage? Don't worry, I'm not going to really describe what we read through, Um, but just to kind of give us an overview of where we're going um, I think we're going to look at what is the time we're in. So Paul mentions this time. So we're going to look at what is the time we're in. And then he mentions, uh, he uses this imagery of sleeping. And so we're going to look at what is sleeping, what is waking, and then how then shall we live. So what is the time we're in, what is sleeping, what is waking, and how then shall we live. Well, let's first look at the time. So verse 11, he says, besides this, you know the time. And that, that word means age or uh, uh, aeon. It, it's this long time. It's not you know that it's 11 o'clock. He's saying you know the, the age that we're in. 
And so many have, have speculated, what's, what's Paul talking about? What's this age that he's talking about? Um, some think maybe he was talking about this age that we're in where Christ has uh, died, has resurrected, and is now ascended. Uh, and and it's this, this age where we have victory over sin and death. See, sin and death came in through Adam and Eve. If you've been in church for any time, you know this. You know uh, that sin... Um, and the consequences of sin and the ultimate consequence of death came through Adam and Eve's disobedience. Death is still a fear and still takes us from the world today, even though Christ has come and has died. And so some people are saying, well, maybe Paul is talking about this time where we have victory over sin, uh, but still this battle with sin and still this struggle. And I think he has this in mind, but I don't think this is the age that he's talking about. I think the age that Paul is talking about is just simply the time after Christ has risen from the dead and before he comes again. See, what the Bible had prophesied for years and years, what God had prophesied through his prophets was that um, he was going to send a Savior. And when this Savior came, there would be an end to uh, this separation from God. There would be an end to uh, sin and death. And Jesus, when he was here, made it clear that He wasn't just going to usher in the kingdom right then when he walked on the earth, but he had to die, he had to suffer, he had to rise, and then he was going to return. And so I think the age that Paul is talking about is just, we're in a time where all that we need to end death, ultimately, to end sin, ultimately, to bring an end to all crying and pain and mourning, the only thing we are waiting for is Jesus' return. The only thing we're waiting for is Jesus' return. And I think this is the age, I think this is the time that Paul is talking about. He says, our salvation, look at that in the second half of verse 11, for salvation, our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Our ultimate salvation, our salvation from sin and from death ultimately is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So I think this is the age he's talking about. If you look at it, he says, the night is far gone and the day is at hand. Which many of you, if you're reading this, if you are skeptical like I tend to be, read this and say, yeah, Paul probably thought Jesus was coming pretty soon back in in his day, but that was over 2,000 years ago. So when he wrote this, people would have read it and been like, yeah, I mean, Jesus could come any day. But now when we read this, 2,000, 20, 2,030 years later, we tend to read skepticism into this and say, yeah, yeah, I mean, Jesus is coming back, but not, not today. Jesus is coming back, but, but not, not for a while. I mean, it's been 2,000 years. How can you, Paul, how can you say the day is at hand? Was he wrong? Is, he, is, he, is Paul thinking that it was right away? I don't think so. And here's an example. Look in, well, you don't have to turn there, but uh, Matthew 24, verses 36 to 44. Here's Jesus talking about this day when he returns. He says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels, uh, angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. 
and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. See, Jesus says here that people won't be expecting his return. I think he says the vast majority of people will be asleep. So I think the same way Paul, Paul wouldn't have thought what's well, coming right now. Like he thought he knew what day, you know, he saw the signs. Paul wasn't saying that. Paul was just saying it can be any day. So the days at hand, all we need is Jesus to return. It can be any day. And so Paul says, if we're living in this time, if we're living in this time that it could be any day, what should our lives look like? And that's where we're going to look at the imagery that he uses. He uses the imagery of sleeping and waking. So first I want to look at sleeping. So what is sleeping? I probably don't need to take a long time to explain physically what sleeping is, right? Many of us wish we were sleeping right now. Depending on your New Year's celebration and how many fireworks like our house were going off around our house, uh, you might really want to get acquainted with sleep after the service. Well, let's look at verse 11 again. He says, Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. So we've, we've all been there, right? We're sleeping, and the alarm goes off. It's the hour to wake from sleep. It's the moment. It's the time. It's, it's time to wake up. When I was a kid, there was a book. I mean, there's still a book, so it wasn't just when I was a kid. But I read a book when I was a kid. That should be, I should get an award for that. I read a book. Um, but it's a Dr. Seuss book called uh, I'm Not Going to Get Up Today. If anybody's read it, it's a, it's a great book in which the boy declares no matter what people do, And there's this whole long rhyming list of things that people can do. But no matter what they do, he's not going to get up. And there's this line a few times in the book. He says, my bed is warm, my pillow's deep. Today is the day I'm going to sleep. Some of us are here as Christians. We know it's time to wake up. We know that we need to be up and doing what the Lord has called us to do, but we like the warmth of our bed and the softness of our pillows, and we want to stay in bed. For Christians, the world around us is sleeping, and I'm not talking about inactivity. I'm talking about what Paul is talking about. Sleep here, he he uses that imagery as the works of darkness, as the giving over to the desires of the flesh. And the world around us is sleeping and is led by and reveling in the desires of the flesh. The world is sleepwalking. We know this very well here in this dreamland, this Disney world, this pleasure island that is the United States of America. About a month ago, I visited one of the capital cities of this dreamland USA called Las Vegas. And if you've ever been to Las Vegas, it's a sight to behold. 
There's bright, flashing lights, lots of huge buildings and fountains, um, people smiling, tons of crowds of people just walking on the streets, laughing and having a good time. Las Vegas is a night city. Everything happens in the dark. You can come to Las Vegas because, as it's advertised, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. This is the promise of sleepwalking. This is the promise of our culture. There's some examples that Paul gives. He says, uh, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. Verse 12, so let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not, and then he gives a list. And that first word you can translate, it says orgies, you could translate that carousing, rioting. The word, uh, really, in, what it has in mind is this idea of a group given over to, to passion, not necessarily sexual. Um, riots would be an example of that. right? But this is, this is the, the act of where you see a crowd doing something, and, and sometimes uh, psychologists describe this as group think. So a group is doing something, and if you ask an individual, like, what? Why are you smashing that car because the Red Wings just won the, the Stanley Cup? I have no idea. Ah! Uh, and there's an aspect of that here. I think this is what Paul is getting at. He's, he's talking about this temptation that we have to, to join in with whatever the group is doing. Back when I was a kid, and I don't know, they probably still use this word, but we called it peer pressure. Right, where you see others doing something and it looks like fun and I just want to join in and do what they're doing because they look like they're having a good time. So a lot of the reasons that we stop at the restaurants we stop at, right? You, you have somebody that recommends a restaurant and it's 12 noon and you pull in the parking lot and there's like two people there? It's probably not a good place to go. There's a line out the door. I want to go see what's all about this barbecue place that has this two-hour line. And that's kind of what's in, in mind here. And many of us are tempted to this. Many of us are drawn to do what we see others doing. Another thing that Paul says is drunkenness, is another sleepwalking activity. Drunkenness could be one of the reasons things stay in Las Vegas, right? Because people don't remember. <laughs> many of us are here. Many of us seek to forget life, maybe because of pain. That you've experienced, maybe because your life isn't very fun, you see your life as boring, and so many of us are drawn to escape through drunkenness, through just being high all of the time. This is another activity of darkness, another sleepwalking activity. Another two, it's a, a couple that Paul puts together, is sexual immorality and sensuality or promiscuity. This is what so much of our culture is built on. This is so much of what we celebrate here in America. Many of us are drawn to the physical pleasure promised here. Not knowing that it's fleeting. Not knowing that it leads to death and to ruin. There's a famous, famous Christian, St. Augustine. And this is his conversion story. Is uh, This very passage in Romans 13. Uh, he grew up living what they, they called in, the, in his biography, loose living. I don't think we really use that term anymore. But uh, 
living a life of sensuality, living a life led by passion. You could use the word hedonism. So Augustine was just doing what he felt like doing whenever he felt like doing it. But at the same time, he kind of had this desire to, to know and, and ask, ask and have questions answered. And so he, reading this passage, was convicted and actually became a Christian because he read this section of Scripture about putting off, casting off the works of darkness, walking properly as in the daytime, and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision for the flesh. But just in case you read this list and you thought, man, phew, I'm not sleepwalking. Paul throws in quarreling and jealousy. So just in in case you thought you could escape it, many of us are lured to sleep here. Right, many of us have, and we just experienced it maybe a week ago. Right, we have those family members that we quarrel with, that we struggle with. We've got the, the brother that we don't really like, and he's got the car that we've always wanted. Or she's got the husband that you wish you had. Or they've got the house, or they live in the zip code. They have the football team that won last Sunday. I'm a Lions fan, just in case. <laughs> well, if this is sleeping, what is waking? Again, look to verse 11. Here's a clue. He says, besides this. Other translations will translate that, uh, and this. Or also do this. So it makes you think, well, what was he talking about before? You know, besides what? And what? Well, if we jump back up, I think, uh, really, you could jump all the way back in Romans. All of Romans, you know, 1 through 9 and 10, he's, Paul is describing what God has done in Christ for us. How God has sent Christ to um, be our propitiation, to be the person who, through our faith and trust in him, brings us and unites us to God. And then Paul starts, after he's talked about what God has done, Paul talks about what we are to do and who we are to be as people. And Romans 12 is a super uh, famous passage. Romans 12, 1 and 2, about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. And Paul goes on to talk about what does that look like. And over and over and over again, he gives examples of what it looks like to be a Christian. And he sums it up right before this in verses 8 through 10. He says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So I think what Paul is saying is, okay, so besides this, besides the fact that love is a fulfilling of the law, besides the fact that love is all we need to be focused on is loving others and loving God, do you want another motivation for that? It's the time that you're in. So if obeying all the commandments isn't enough motivation for you, Paul says here's, here's another motivation that the time that you're in is a time that could be over this afternoon. And so waking 
is, is love for God and love for others. It's a life given over to love for God and love for others. How do we love God? We love God by fellowshipping with him through prayer and through the word. Waking and being awake is being ready for Christ's return, like he said in Matthew. So being awake is is living the life of love for God and love for others that Christ has called us to do. If we're awake, then we see that the works of darkness can be flipped to be walking as in the daytime. So the first one, instead of carousing, we're called to group worship and group fellowship and group praise. One of the things that we're doing this morning, not, not mindlessly worshiping, but intelligently focusing on the lyrics, on the words that are preached, worshiping our God together in fellowship and praise. When we are awake, we are present in life, dealing with our problems in the power of the Spirit instead of drunkenness. When we are awake and armed with light, we see the deception and the promise of sexual sin. We find our joy in Christ and in the way of life that God has called us to. I don't know if you've ever seen Las Vegas in the daytime, but one of the things that I love about Las Vegas in the daytime, if you're down on the strip, it's really not that pretty. It's kind of ugly. There's some garbage that hasn't been picked up from the night before. People are walking around with hangovers and you know, sad because they lost money. But if you, if you are back up far enough from Las Vegas, all of the glitz and glamour of Las Vegas fades and you see the mountains in the background. And I think that's, that's a picture that I have in my mind of when we are awake and armed with light, that light shines into those cities that glorify nighttime activities and the light shines and shows them to be what they are, an empty shadow, what God has called us to. When we are awake and when we are clothed with Christ and the person we struggle to love drives up in the car that we've always wanted, marries the perfect guy, looks better than us, etc. When we're awake, when we're focused on loving others and loving God as we're called to, we're going to be more concerned with the fact that we struggle to love that person than what they're driving or who they're married to or where they live. So one of my fears that I have as I think about this passage, as I struggle like all of us do to stay awake, is that one day I would be at my computer looking at something that I shouldn't be when Christ returns. Or desiring something that I don't have or failing to live in love as God has called me to when the trumpet of the Lord sounds. Now is the time to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Christ could return at any time. And we want to be found awake and ready for them, ready for him. How then shall we live? So in closing, we've got a couple minutes in closing. How then shall we live? Well, there's really three groups, I think. There could be more. You could come to me after and tell me that I got it wrong. But I think there's three groups. And the first one is those who aren't Christians. Those who are not currently putting their faith in Christ. And if that's you here this morning, your biggest enemy is time. Because one of two things is going to happen. Either you will die or Christ will return. Both of which will be the end of your opportunity to put your faith and trust in Christ. The Bible is quite clear 
that we, apart from Christ, apart from faith and trust in Christ, will spend eternity separated from God. It's one of the hardest realities to preach and even harder to believe because if you're like me, and like how I, I was for so much of my life, we, we think that God, if he's truly loving, understands us, right? He, he couldn't possibly hold my sin against me. He knows that I'm a good person. But we have no choice but to believe what the Bible says on this matter. The Bible is quite clear that God has a holy standard. And there's nothing we can do to reach that standard, but Christ has already achieved that standard for you. And you simply need to trust and believe that he died for you. That his death counts as your death. And that through his death and resurrection, he has made it possible to have his perfect obedience count as your obedience. Some have called this the great exchange, our sin and death for his righteousness. So if that's you this morning, if you're not a Christian, my my heart, my desire, I believe Paul's call for you is to put your faith and trust in Christ. And then that leaves two others. Those who are, are struggling with sleep, maybe you're taking the ambient of this culture and you're sleepwalking right now. If that's you, the call for you is to wake up. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Let us wake up and walk as in the daytime. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That word can be translated, don't even think about it. Ties back to Romans 12. Right? Renew your mind. Set your minds on Christ. So wake, wake up. Set your minds on Christ and be thinking about him. How can I please him? How can I glorify him? How can I live for him? We need to make time to be in the word. As we look towards the new year, if this is you, if you are asleep, or if you are struggling to stay awake, which is the other So those who are asleep and those who are struggling to be awake have the same application. We're going to make time to be in the Word. So as we look forward to the new year, have you made a goal to prioritize and spend time in the Word? And I was shocked when I looked at this. But if you read 15 minutes a day, you can get through the whole Bible in a year. If you read... 30 minutes a day, you could get through twice. And then I took it really far. I I figured out how many times I could read the Bible in a year. But I haven't haven't done it more than, than once, so we'll see. But have you made a plan? Have you made a goal to prioritize time with the Lord in his word and in prayer? And it sounds cheap. It sounds silly. It sounds like there should be more. Like, isn't there a coffee that God has for us? Wait, he does. It's his word, spending time in his word, being armed, as Paul says, with the armor of light, which is the truth of the word. We have the Holy Spirit to help us, to illuminate the scriptures to us, to remind us, to convict us, but simply spending time in his word and in prayer. 
And then another challenge that I would have for us, if we are asleep as Christians or if we're struggling to stay awake, is to write down and think about and plan what is one area that you can grow to love and to serve him more this year. If you want to summarize all of what God has called us to do, it's to love him and to love others. So how can I grow to love him and to love others more this year? I'll close with the story. There's a, a book that was on my mind as I was reading this, a book called Don't Waste Your Life. Um, if you've read the book, it's one that I've read because it's like 80 pages. I do read long books, but I really like those short ones. But Don't Waste Your Life uh, opens with this picture, and it's John Piper recounting uh, his dad preaching. His dad was an evangelist, and so he's recounting the story of his dad giving a message, and it was a, a strong message about putting your faith and, and trust in Christ and about um, you know, basically just living for him. And there was an older gentleman that sat in the front row, um, and towards the end of the message was, was just weeping. And so John Piper's dad came down and, you know, was greeting people, as often happens, you know, after you give a message, people want to come up, hey, you know, great message, hey, you missed this, this, and this. Um, and this, this guy just comes up weeping to John Piper's dad, just saying, I, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. And when he talks to John Piper's dad, his, the reason he says, I've wasted it, is because uh, he recognizes and, and believes the truth of the gospel. That day put his faith and trust in Christ, but realized, I'm, I'm 78 years old. I lived 78 years asleep. I sleepwalked 78 years of my life. So the call today from God's word is don't let that be you. To wake up. We know the time that the hour has come for us to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Let us live lives for the Lord in love for him and love for others. Knowing that he could return any day. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you care enough about us to give us a passage like this, to remind us as we go into the new year that we need to be awake. God, that we need to be living lives for you, in love for you, and in love for others. God, I pray if there are those here today, um, Lord, who, who need more help in walking in love for you and love for others, that they would seek that help. God, that we would come along one another, come alongside one another, and like the book, I'm not going to get up today, that we would be like those people, sending the big brass band to, to wake our Christian friends up, sending the police, whoever we need to get in that book. God, that we would just do whatever it takes as Christians to, to help our brothers and sisters stay awake. For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. God, all we need to end our pain, our suffering in this world, all that we need to usher in the eternal reign of your kingdom is your return. So God, we look expectantly 
we work feverishly loving you and loving others knowing the time that we are in be with us now as we go into this new year may we glorify you in everything we do we pray this in jesus name amen you've been listening to a message from grace church for more information visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org